Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. I read to you from my first novel, All That Matters, for which this podcast is named. This is a grandmother telling her very personal story to her granddaughter, one who is suicidal. This grandmother will rescue her from a hospital in California and take her on a journey across America to help her fall in love with life. This is her story she has never told from the Shoah, from the Holocaust. It was on a cold day, September day, when my whole world turned upside down. The leaves were already changing. The Nazis had been bombing Poland for two weeks, but we had word that the Polish army was fighting with great success. We didn't know the Russians had knifed us in the back, making a deal to split Poland with Hitler. When they swept into the country, the Poles could not fight on both fronts. Zolnia, our little village, ended up being on the side of the territory claimed by the Germans. We were afraid, but we had hopes the British or the French would come to our aid. We couldn't imagine that German soldiers would bother with our little town. That they would actually enter our homes was unthinkable. This is Gabby's story. And I pause to tell you that it is a story that is so crucial because what I'm about to share with you actually happened to a member of my family and to many other families as well. And this little town, Zolnia, in Poland, I had picked quite by accident actually maybe quite by providence. And just this week I was contacted by that town in Poland. They had contacted me years ago. They were so taken with the novel they had found it and so thrilled that their town, their village was mentioned in it and hoped that I might come there and do a reading, which I may just do in the next year or so but I know that their call and their emails meant and mean a great deal to me. And it's how we, through art or literature or theater or music, can connect different populations, different areas of the world to one another, because we're all human. And our stories are worth telling. I know that the family member who shared this story with me told me to tell it so it would not be forgotten. I am aware that the Holocaust survivors alive today are sadly vanishing one by one. Who will be left to tell their stories? It must be us. I continue with Gabby's story to her granddaughter. We were at the dinner table, Shana. Mama had made some sweets for my 13th birthday the next day, but Anna and I had begged so for a little taste that she gave in. She was serving a tiny chunk of babka with chocolate sprinkled on the top. It was my favorite. Suddenly there was a horrible noise, and these men broke through our door. They were SS, the most vicious of Hitler's army. 
They shouted at my father, pointing guns at all of us. Anna was screaming, and Mama reached for her, but one of the men pushed her back against the piano. When she fell on it, oh, that was this terrible sound, as if the piano itself were in pain. Papa yelled for my sister and me to run to get away from this place, but the Germans were blocking the door. We didn't know where to go. They were turning chairs over. Dishes were breaking. It was all happening so fast. Papa tried to pull my mother away from one of the men. She was beating his chest with her fists, screaming at him to leave her children alone, and then, I don't know what happened. There were shots, and Mama fell. And I looked over and saw that Anna, my dear sister, was covered in blood. She'd been hit in the shooting. I screamed as she collapsed next to my mother. They were both dead. Gabby gripped her granddaughter's hand as she spoke of the horror. Burrowing deeper into her Nana's lap, Jennifer squeezed back in response. In the next second, Shana... Before they could turn their guns in our direction, I felt my father's strong hands grab hold of me. Then, out of nowhere, there was a pistol pointed at my father's head. Everything seemed to slow down for a moment, each split second, a lifetime. I could see the gun, see my father's face, feel the thunder of my own heart. And just as they were firing a bullet into Papa... He was lifting me and with all his strength hurling me through the window behind him. All I could see was glass shattering all around me as I fell. And then time sped up. The next minute I was on the ground outside bleeding but alive. I ran from this place. I ran until the voices and the bullets had faded. And I couldn't hear anything anymore. Gabby broke off. You must have been so afraid, Nana, Jennifer said softly. Where could you go? Gabby nodded, shivering, pulling at a colorful patchwork quilt on the bed, tugging it over her granddaughter and herself. I hid that night where a farmer had once kept his pigs and goats, right there in the mud. You would have laughed at the sight of me if it weren't for the circumstances. I could see in the distance that many houses had been set on fire, and I cried myself to sleep with thoughts of Papa and Mama and dear Anna. The next day I ate the scraps the pigs were eating, and at nightfall I escaped through the fields into the forest. I must have wandered for several days, drinking from puddles of rain and eating pine cones and wild mushrooms. I kept thinking that everyone I loved was gone. Jennifer felt the tightening of her Nana's grasp. She pressed Gabby's hand to her cheek protectively. The wind was howling outside, but Jennifer was lost in a world from the past one that felt as if it were right there in the room with them. After many days, I had grown very weak, Gabby continued. I had never known such cold. I couldn't see the point of going on any longer. I knew it was only a matter of time before they found me. 
I could hear shooting in the forest as Germans slaughtered Poles. I knew my fate was certain to be that of my families. I decided then and there that I was going to die, and there was no use hiding. With my parents gone, my sister, I was finished with this world. I just wanted to get it over with. So I came out from behind the trees and bushes where I hid, walking in plain view where I'd be easily found, maybe shot right there like Papa and the others. It no longer mattered. I headed in the direction of the next village to turn myself over to the Nazis. Jennifer sat up next to Gabby. Her tears dried, her face sober, her eyes intent on her nana. I had been walking for several hours, and do you know what I thought of? Anna, my sweet sister, on the skates she used to use on our little pond. I could think of nothing else right then except that I would never again see her on the ice, never hear her laughter, never feel her hand in mine as we hurried home for supper. I was lost walking through the forest on my way to my death. And then I felt a tap on my shoulder. I turned to face a Polish woman, a Gentile. What she was doing in the forest that day and at that moment, I do not know, but this woman stopped me and suddenly she was shaking me, screaming into my face, Are you crazy? What are you doing here? Don't you know they will find you out here in the open? I couldn't understand why she was so upset. What did it have to do with her? The next minute she was dragging me behind the trees so we wouldn't be seen. I told her everything that had happened to my family and to me. I thanked her for her concern but told her I no longer cared to live. This woman, she knew my father. She had seen me in his tailor shop. She insisted that I come home with her and said she would hide me. I thanked her and told her again that I didn't care to live. Whack! She slapped me hard. I can feel it even now. She screamed at me, Foolish girl! Don't you see it is not for you to throw away what your family was so desperate to have? You must choose life. You must live for those who had no choice. And Madela, I don't know if it was the blow or the power of those words, but like that, I knew she was right. My father was a bear of a man, a heart the size of the forest. He would do anything to keep us alive. He had shielded me from the bullets and literally thrown me from death's door. Yes, he would wish me to do anything to stay alive. So I followed this woman back to her home. There she hid me in her attic for nearly two and a half years. This is part of the story that Gabby, the Nana, the grandmother, the Bubby, tells her granddaughter, her Shana, her beautiful little one. After Jennifer had attempted suicide the week earlier, she thought 
And I thought when I was writing that novel, who would be the best person to rescue someone who felt life was over and no no way finding their way to um, to seeing that life was worth going forward with. It had to be someone who had seen the worst that humanity had ever thrown at other human beings. That would be the show of the Holocaust for me. And someone from that day who had gone through all of that darkness and who had faced evil and come out the other side grateful for life. I thought that, that might be a person who could pass her story on and help the younger generation understand how gratitude plays a role. And even in deepest, darkest moments of life can help find a way to the light. Just as that brave Gentile woman did for this young girl, a member of my family, who was hidden and who survived. So, I ask each of you to continue to tell the story both this one and the ones you've heard. And to tell the stories of your culture and your traditions. My mom had always told me, when in doubt, whenever in a difficult situation, tell your story, Jan. Whatever that moment demands, tell your story, make it personal, connect with another human being. If you seek to find a way with them to communicate or if there's misunderstandings find a way to make it personal and in the telling of the story bridge the gap between your humanity and theirs it is in our stories our family stories the stories of our community that we find the wisdom to seek the light. I hope you find a bit more of it this week. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein and this, this is all that matters. <laughs>